The Blitz Period is a production of BNM Media and brought to you by Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Blitz Period. Jalen Ross here today coming at you with a special edition, if you will. Uh, we are joined by On3.com's own, the man, the myth, the legend, all the way down, coming all the way down from Louisiana, Mr. Hayes Fawcett. Uh, Hayes, uh, you're a pretty busy man this time of year, as everybody knows. I mean, you had a few, you had to knock out a few things uh, just before we hopped on this. And while we were planning this, there were some big time things that came up and uh, your phone's constantly blowing up. So uh, let's let the people know how you're doing today. Man, I'm doing good, bro. Like you said, staying busy. And I mean, obviously, you know, with the, the news of Nick Saban's departure and then now, you know, Kalen DeBoer being named the coach. Um, thought the portal would slow down a little bit, but that is not the case. So here we are. Yeah, so uh, y'all keep your boy lifted. So uh, we're going to go ahead and talk more OU today, and then we'll probably dive into a little bit of – uh, not too much, but talk a little bit about the whole Alabama thing towards the end. But uh, just to kind of kick things off, we'll go simple. Um, Oklahoma finished with a top 10 class or should finish with a top 10 class before the February period, should finish with a top 10 class across the board. Uh, your site on three has them at number nine, if I'm not mistaken. Sixth in the SEC, actually. So that tells you how uh, much of a – if you didn't know how big of a power the conference was, that proves it right there. But – um. They brought in a nice haul, especially on the defensive line. That's the big thing that uh, the fan base has been really clamoring about out of everything. And then you talk about the sticks, the skilled players and the Taylor Tatums and uh, the Zion Kearney's and all those guys. But, uh, Hayes, give me your initial thoughts on on this Oklahoma class. Now, I, I truthfully think this is a, a really good class top to bottom. I mean, following the class of last year, which was, was another top 10 class, um, feel like Oklahoma definitely addressed a lot of different positions of need. Um, I mean, just looking at the list, you know, going by the rankings, y'all have to- four top 100 ranked players, um, two of two of the four, which are ranked at um, number one at their respective positions in um, David Stone and Taylor Tatum. And, I mean, you look at this class top to bottom, like I said, I, I think this is a, um, you know, a great 2024 class overall brought in by Brent Venables and company. Yeah. And so, so, so by the way, if you guys don't remember, we, uh, we had Hayes on the show last year, which was critical because everybody wanted to know how recruiting was holding up with the Sooners being six and seven. Well, at the time, I think they were five and five or something like that. It wasn't great either way, but we kind of talked about that. And we know you've had your battles with this fan base before, uh, especially on Twitter. So this is also kind of like a peacemaking thing. Uh, I try to tell people all the time, you do actually like OU, but I don't think most of the fans really get that. So, um, in saying that, who who would you say of the guys that you uh, had to deal with? Because, I mean, you you do a large chunk of the commits, but not all of them. So, who was the one player that might have hit you up and said, hey, I'm, I'm leaning OU, or hey, I need an OU edit? Who, who to you is the surprise player that uh, signed his letter of intent with Oklahoma? That is a really good question. Um, to be honest with you, all the guys, you know, looking through y'all's list right now, all the guys that, you know, signed or committed to Oklahoma, um, I had a pretty good idea um, that they were going to go there. I'm sure, as, I'm sure as you know and many other Oklahoma fans know, the, uh, the actual, you know, crazy I guess, story of the entire class was a David Stone one. So mm-hmm. – he was gonna actually commit to Miami, and I think right. he let this. I, th- I think he let this be known to the public. Um, yeah. You know, it, it was gonna be Miami, and then he got a last-second call. Um, you know, from Todd Bates, I believe, a couple hours before the game, and he ultimately changed his mind. Like I, you know, I legit had a Miami graphic made and sent to him, um, expecting yeah. for it to be Miami, and uh, you know, then like I said, that that call happened, and you know, he changed his mind and. Uh, chose to stay home. So that was, that was definitely the, uh, probably the craziest story, um, concerning an Oklahoma commitment cycle, in my opinion. Well, it's funny you say that. Cause I did actually get to see that graphic because, uh, David's trainer 
uh, I know pretty well. And, you know, of course, he knows I'm a big OU guy. So he was kind of badgering me about the whole thing. Like he would he would try to play mind games with me and be like, oh, yeah, David's going to Michigan State, all this crap. And then the day or the week, the weekend after David committed to Oklahoma, he showed me the Miami graphic and told me like how close it was to, uh, by the way, it was a really good graphic. Like, uh, I'll give you that. But uh, I know we're all glad that that didn't happen. But that actually just reminded me of this question. I didn't even think of this. You were, if I'm remembering correctly, and I could be wrong, I can't really remember that well because that whole fiasco made me stop really uh, covering recruiting, if you will. But the whole Peyton Bowen situation from a year ago, uh, you were, you had the Oregon edit. You posted that. And I can't remember if you did the OU edit or not. I know Peyton announced it, but I can't remember if you did the edit at all because I know he had one of his own things he did on Twitter. But right. take me through that. like, Because we, because I'll tell you from my standpoint, we were all betting on him to pick Oklahoma initially. Like, I, I think even his own family was like, yeah, we're expecting him to go to OU. Like, you know. I don't, I'm not a recruiting expert per se, but I mean, I'd been talking to people from Denton Dyer that knew him. They were like, yeah, he's going to Oklahoma. Like it was, it was a done deal. Everybody had that in mind. And then he flips the script on everybody. So talk me through that whole situation. Dude, this will probably be, I don't think there will ever really be a story like this, you know, um, looking back and then looking forward. Cause this is truly like a one-of-one situation that, I don't think will ever, will ever happen again. So to bring it back, Bowen was supposed to decommit from Notre Dame like a week or two before, um, you know, signing day. Remember one day, you know, I had the graphic made and everything. He told me he was going to decommit at 8 a.m., right? I don't, I'm not, I don't usually wake up that early. I'm not a very uh, big morning person. But I vividly remember, you know, setting my alarm, waking up 30 minutes early, making sure, you know, I had everything set and ready. And then, you know, the, the decommitment never happened. So fast forward to, you know, two days before signing day, me and Bowen are talking the entire time, right? So the night before signing day comes, and me and him are texting at like 2 or 3 in the morning. Like he still has no clue what he's doing. And interesting enough – he um and you know this never really happens with me only on a few occasions he said bro like i'm gonna be completely honest with you i don't know what i'm gonna do i don't know where i'm going i need you to make me two graphics i said okay cool i got you so the two graphics he had me make were obviously the oregon one and then one with notre dame that basically said you know locked in so i got those done got those made sent it to him cool Said, hey, you, you know, do you, have you made your decision yet? It's like, nah, bro, I don't know where I'm going. So fast forward to later that morning. I believe it was 11 a.m. It's time for him to, you know, announce where he's going. He's texting me right before, bro, I still don't know what I'm going to do. And like this, he wasn't, you know, BSing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he goes and says his thank yous. And for the next three to four years, I'll be committing to – and bro puts on a Notre Dame hat. And keep in mind, I only had, like I said, I had both of those graphics made, so both were in my drafts. So as soon as he put on the Notre Dame hat, I was about to post that Notre Dame graphic. And thankfully, I didn't. Thankfully, I waited, because he took his hat off and threw it and put on the Oregon hat. So I posted the Oregon one. But mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy, because like I said, Oklahoma wasn't even mentioned. And and he and Peyton, you know, you know Peyton pretty good. Peyton's not the type of guy that's gonna, you know, like troll or mess around or anything like that. Like yeah. he told me if, you know, he was actually gonna go to Oklahoma. So anyway, you know the whole thing. Um, when he signed the papers, he didn't put AM or PM, or he got it mixed up. Right. And when he sent it in, you know, they sent it back to him and told him to to correct it. And then he started thinking. And then, as we know, the next morning. He, uh, you know, commits and signs with with Oklahoma. And, yeah, I remember it was like right before Christmas because, you know, with signing day being so close to Christmas, I don't really do that much Christmas shopping. And uh, luckily I brought my computer with me and I was, um, you know, shopping and had to go in the car and, you know, write a quick article and 
you know, interview him and then, you know, make a graphic and then post it. But yeah, I mean, like I said, there will never be, I don't think there will ever be a, a situation like that ever again. Yeah. Cause so I'll tell you our side of it. So again, I'm not like this recruiting expert. I don't really care to get involved in players recruitments, but that particular class was pretty active on the Instagram account. So like I would occasionally just, you know, say some things to them and they would let it be known Now Peyton wasn't really one of those guys, but I remember, and, and we talked about this on the last interview we did, uh, the party at the palace from from last summer or 2022 uh, summer. Mm-hmm. That was the one. I mean, uh, Colton Vasek was there. Who's at Texas now? Uh, uh, I, I, I want to say David Hicks was there. Like it was a star studded day. And of course, Peyton Bowen was there. So um, our old graphic designer, Blake, you know, Blake, we um, I talked to him. I said, hey, um, get a get a get a poem, Peyton Bowen graphic made just just in case. And this is like July, and I and I posted this when it happened, because I I tried to explain to my followers, look, there's a there's I'm not blowing smoke. Like there's I wouldn't give you guys these hints and say I feel really confident about where Bowen's headed or where his head's at if I didn't have an idea. And so of course it all falls apart on signing day, and you know I mean. God bless every single Oklahoma recruiting reporter like the Parker Thunes and the Josh McQuistians because they were getting hammered that day. And and then later that night, that's when the whole thing came out about how he still hadn't sent his his letter of intent in. And it was like, oh, Oregon hasn't even posted him yet. And if you guys don't know, uh, the schools can't mention the player until they actually sign. And so Oregon had posted their entire recruiting recruiting class except for Peyton Bowen. And that raised some eyebrows a little bit, raised mine. And I was like, oh, this ain't over. And then, of course, we all see what happens. So, um, of course, I mean, the story's over now. Peyton Bowen's, a, a, you know, getting ready to probably be the uh, a DB2 on this team come fall. So, uh, but, but I just thought about that as you were mentioning that because, again, that whole fiasco just sucked everything about recruiting out of me. Like, it was crazy. So, uh, anyway, moving away from that, um, I, I want to ask you, you know, with where Oklahoma's headed, obviously new conference, which we'll talk about later. Uh, Brent Venables going into his third season. We saw obvious improvement last year. I mean, you think about the big win over Texas. They go and they win 10 games, which was that's that's two goals right there off the bat. Accomplished. Um, tell me from your standpoint, what what you think would make Oklahoma attractive as a recruit right now because of just like. And I mean, this is pre-Saban retirement, but of course you've got the Alabamas, you've got Georgia, who's been, you know, pumping wins out left and right. Uh, Michigan, the program that's, well, I mean, assuming Harbaugh sticks around, they, they, they're they probably going to compete for another national championship. Like, you've got all these other programs coming up, but w- what do you think is making Oklahoma really attractive right now? Man, truthfully, I always tell people this. I feel like, you know, kind of the same goes with, you know, in Alabama, the the Texases, you know, schools like that, like the Oklahoma brand just kind of um, speaks for itself, right? Um, mm-hmm. People, you know, recruits always, seems like every top recruit, you know, always kind of has Oklahoma in their top list, always visiting and, um, you know, everyone seems to just have great things to say about Oklahoma. And then now, obviously, as you know, y'all are headed into the SEC, um, you know, widely known as the, the best and most competitive conference and and college football I mean that like you said that only adds more to you know what Oklahoma has already um you know what Oklahoma already has and what they're you know um known for I guess you could say um but yeah I mean really I just think like I said the brand kind of speaks for itself and there's just so many different um you know attractions um to the university for the players you know I mean the culture that's being built there um Great coaching staff. I mean, like I said, all that stuff just kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where, like, you know, it that hasn't always been the case. I mean, not the brand thing, but just Oklahoma being a super attractive destination because, you know, there was a time not even that long ago where they weren't getting these big top 10, top five class. I mean, you think about this, Brent Venables' first few months on campus, he ended up – beating out and I'm not trying to rag on Lincoln Riley, but he ended up securing a better ranked class than Riley ever did in his tenure at Oklahoma. 
And so it makes you wonder, like, what is he? Because even at the time, you're thinking, like, what is he selling these guys? Because to us, it seems like the program's falling apart. And then, you know, he's able to reel these guys in. They finish with, I think it was the seventh or eighth class in 2022. And it's like, and he did that in really a matter of weeks, more than months. So it's like, it makes you wonder how that happened. Because, I mean, I know Bob Stoops used to have a thing where it was like, we get who we get. And or we get who we're supposed to get. Like, we don't have to go battle for all these five stars and this and that. We're Oklahoma. We'll get the guys we're supposed to get. Well, now with the way college football is headed, and, and even, you know, we can talk about Portal, NIL, all that stuff later. But, I mean, even with the way the trajectory of college football right now, it seems to be the way you got to do it. You got to go, you got to go fight for that five-star guy. You got to go battle Georgia and Bama for that big time player, especially in the trenches, because that seems to be where Oklahoma's had trouble recently is on the O-line. And that's where the main concern has been for the fan base. But uh students past some of that. Um, we've talked about it. It's, it's a talent, a really talent loaded class. When you talk about obviously David Stone, you look on the D line, you talk about the the uh the David Stones, or I'm sorry, uh, Nigel Smith, uh, Jaden Jackson, who's a guy that's pretty underrated prospect. Um, you know, uh, Danny Okoye, another an- underrated guy. Uh, give me the guy that you think, because I feel like it, people kind of forget it's it's pretty difficult to play to start, but much less play as a true freshman, especially mm-hmm. for a Brent Venables defense. It ain't easy. Or even if you if you, even if you want to swing the offensive side of the ball. Uh, give me the, the the one recruit that you think can come in and make an instant impact from day one. Well, obviously, in my, I mean, this is probably a, per, I'm going to give you the easy answer and then I'm going to give you one that, you know, you probably will be surprised by. Maybe. Obviously, the easy answer is Stone. I mean, who he is and how he plays and what he does speaks for itself. I mean, I know rankings go out the window once you get to college. He's the number one defensive lineman in the country for a reason. I mean, seeing him play in person at the, you know, Undorm or All American game, watching those practices, like, he he's ready to contribute right away, um, but to kind of piggyback off of that, the guy that I think could come in and you know contribute right away, Eugene Brooks. Mm. I feel like this guy does not get talked about as much as he should, but man, you should have you should have seen him at the Undorm All American game, like the practices. Like this dude was going up against you know, the top defensive lineman in the country. Cause I mean, all the top D linemen were at this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and dude, I don't think he lost the rep like the first two days. And I mean, you know, like I said earlier with stone, I know rankings, you know, they go out the window when you get to college, but this guy, like I'm looking at his ranking right now. Like he's, you know, fringe top 300, like this, he's going to move up a lot in the rankings. If I had to say, um, and obviously I know, you know, y'all lost, Caden Green, um, yeah, the, the returning offensive lineman next year. Like, yeah, I don't know how strong y'all are going to be um, on the line, but Eugene Brooks is definitely a guy Oklahoma fans should um, kind of familiarize themselves with if they aren't already. Well, I'll tell you this: uh, uh, just yeah, you're right. I mean, he does have a chance to to come in and do it because. Uh, um, our guy Josh McQuistian from Sooner Scoop at On Three, he loves Eugene Brooks as well. He's a big O line guy in general, but he loves Eugene Brooks. He loves Daniel Akinkumi. He loves uh, uh, Eddie Pierre Louis, which you wouldn't with how ed- athletic he is for his measurements. But as far as Brooks, it's like the thing with the OU O line right now is losing Caden Green. Like, like I- I've always said this. Like, besides Caleb Williams. Most of the portal losses Oklahoma's had has been like, okay, I mean, it sucks, but you can live with it. Caden Green hurts because there's not that much depth, first of all. And I mean, even if Eugene can can crack the two deep, that'll be good. That'll be great because I mean, they do have some guys in front of them. I mean, you're going to have the um, um, Fabichi Nawawu kid transferred from North North Texas guy didn't give up a sack in two seasons there. Uh, played for Seth Patrell um, for a season, I think. And then, uh, I mean, you've got uh, Jacob Sexton, who, I mean, he's more of a tackle, can play guard, I believe, uh, uh, Jake Taylor. Like, they've got some talent there, but the issue is they, they've they struggled to really find that, that, that fresh five. Like, every week, the thing was, 
it was a revolving door. And I wasn't a big fan of that. Like, I agree with Brent, Brent, I agree with Brent Venables on a lot of things. The one thing I didn't agree with him on was when he said that um, he didn't think that you need five set starters, which, you know, teach their own. I, I don't know what the vision is on that, but I'm not going to fight him on it. But, I mean, I think with and, – and, look, Bill Beatonbow is not an easy coach to play for. I mean, obviously, he demands a lot from his guys. But I think if Brooks can come in, talent's there. If he can come in, pick up the system, pick up the techniques that that uh, uh, that Double B wants to teach, I, I do agree with you. I think he could be a guy that starts. I mean, for us, the landmark is always Texas. So past the Texas game, yeah, we're probably talking about a guy who's who's in that first five uh, at that point. But it's interesting you mentioned the, the Under Armour All-American game, which, by the way, if you guys don't know uh, – our guy Hayes was was on ESPN for that game, and he was out there all in the mix. Uh, the Sooner guys that were out there, you mentioned uh, uh, Eugene Brooks, David Stone was out there, uh, Devon Mitchell was out there. Uh, I know I'm forgetting names. Daniel, um, I can yeah, I can was out there, um, and then that's about it. I think most Jayden, of the other Jayden guys Hardy were in San Antonio. Jaden Hardy was there as well. That's right. That's right. So uh, give me give me your thoughts on all those guys that you saw out there. I mean, what'd you see? From these guys going up against the top, basically, really the top talent in America, like some of these guys, they're going to see in this upcoming season. Uh, how did you think that? And you can go down individually if you want to, if you had a chance to. But uh, mm-hmm. tell me how you thought those guys really stacked up against the rest of the talent. I mean, so the of the let's see, the four guys that were there, um, I was able to get kind of more of a, a closer look at a uh, at Stone. Um, like I said, Eugene Brooks and Davon Mitchell. Um, I wasn't able. Re- I wasn't able to really see Jaden Hardy all that much because. So the way it was separated is they had Team Fire and Team Ice, mm-hmm. and so on one field they had O line and D line. Then on another field they had the other teams O line and D line, and then on one field they had like, you know, split off into positions. You know, the skill positions and then DBs stuff like that, and the same for the other. So, um. I really made sure I spent some time um, over there watching the team ice um, their offense and defensive line, like one-on-ones, because, you know, they had David Stone, Williams Nwari, um, you know, they had Daniel, um, Eugene Brooks, Jordan Seaton. You know, I can go – the list goes on and on. Like, that team was stacked in terms of offense and defensive line. Um, but like I said – the thing that stands out about David Stone is this dude is extremely competitive. Like, out of all the guys that I saw over there, he was by far the most competitive guy. Like, you know, if he lost a rep, he wanted to get his rep back right away. You know, when he won a rep, he let it be known that he won the rep, stuff like that. Um, and he sure did win a lot of reps, that's for sure. And going down to Eugene Brooks, I mean – like I said, he I don't even know if he he lost a rep for for two days straight. And I mean a lot of people were very impressed with Eugene. Um I think he was a top performer there. And then Davon Mitchell in the in the one on ones, he made he made a lot of, you know, really good plays, especially they had him in the red zone doing one on ones with, with DBs. And I mean he just I don't think you realize how big he is and he moves really, really well for his size. And it's crazy to think that you know, Mitchell should really be in the, in the 25 class. Yep. Um, and, you know, with him reclassing a 24, getting to, getting to Norman next year is, is big for the Sooners. Um, but, yeah, overall, all those guys really, really stood out. I mean, I, I didn't see, you know, anything bad necessarily from, from any of them, like all super competitive, winning their reps. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they had a great week down there in Orlando. Yeah, the the thing about David Stone, man, it, it's it's funny. Like, there there's a lot of people down here, and this is really just from a, a hype, optimistic kind of standpoint. I mean, this is a guy that people think can be the next, you know, Tommy Harris, or I, I don't want to go as far as Jerome McCoy, but like, he is the 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 best defensive line recruit they've had since, or that they've gotten to, on paper since. A Gerald McCoy or a Tommy Harris, but uh, the hype is certainly around him. And and uh, you know, I agree with you. I mean, it would shock me at all if he's uh on the field uh, come September. Um, 
And then Devon Mitchell's an interesting case, too, because, as you mentioned, he's not even really supposed to be in this class. But the other thing is, too, Oklahoma's not, I mean, they don't have great depth at tight end this year. Like, um, I know some of the talk around town has been, has been, can he be a guy that comes in and contributes a little bit? I mean, of course, it'll be tougher for him because, again, he's, I mean, the kid's supposed to, still supposed to be in high school. Like, and, and he's coming to college earlier. He's coming to develop earlier. But this isn't a tight end room in Oklahoma that just blows you away. So, um, and especially from an athletic standpoint. So uh, that that's another guy that, that we can probably keep in mind as well. But um, I want to talk a little bit about coaches. Uh, the one thing I've, I've noticed a lot from these recruits, and um, it's clear to me, I mean, the, anyone who listens to the show knows how much I love Brent Venables uh, just as a coach and as a person, uh, and I am slightly biased. But what, what do you think it is? And, and I see all these recruits when they commit, and I see it sometimes in your posts, when you put like the little caption or what or a little quote from the players, mm-hmm. most of the time you end up saying something that mentions Coach Venables. So tell me, uh, what do you think it is about Brent Venables that makes him attractive uh, as a coach or just really as a when it comes to, to being a recruiter? Because I, there were even people, which shockingly enough, when he got this job, there were people asking me, kind of questioning if he could be a recruit, great recruiter as a head coach. Right. No, um, so like you said, every time I, you know, talk to a player, you know, about why they chose Oklahoma, Brent Venables, like you said, is always kind of mentioned in that. Um, And, you know, whenever I went to the All-American game, I talked to a few of the guys there, and somehow I forgot to mention, you know, whenever we're talking about All-American performance from Oklahoma commits, I forgot to mention Daniel. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and do that right now because I feel I don't feel good um, kind of leaving him out. So yeah. Daniel, Daniel won a lot of reps too. And the thing that really stood out to me about Daniel is after every practice there, he would everyone had left, you know, everyone had went back to the locker to change. He would spend about 10 to 20 minutes after practice working on his, you know, his pass pro, working um his technique, stuff like that. And that really stood out to me. Um there's also some stories of of him you know, going to the to work out at the hotel at 3 a.m. Just a guy that, you know, does the little things right, always, um, you know, working hard. Um, and not when people are watching at that, too. So mm-hmm. he was another guy that won a lot of reps um, day one from what I saw. And to piggyback off of that, I specifically, you know, spoke with him about, you know, Oklahoma and stuff. And uh, he said Venables was a major reason why he committed. Um, said that they talk every day. Um, and just just like I said, you know, talking to all the other commitments or signees, I guess you can say now, all of them mention how, you know, how good of a guy Brent Venables is. They can tell he's genuine. He cares. Um, and he just – all about building relationships, and he's been able to do that very successfully, um, not only at Oklahoma but at his previous, you know, spots as well. Yeah, you know the the funny thing about Daniel is he he actually posted uh, his entire official visit to Oklahoma uh, when he came for the Arkansas State game, and you could see like the interactions he was having uh, with Coach Venables, and and I do agree. I mean, Coach Venables is a very personable guy. He can he can. Uh, you know, he can sit there. First of all, the man can talk. If you let him talk, he will talk for hours and hours and talk your ear off. So uh, uh, he a very personable guy. But um, and yeah, the thing that you mentioned about Akinkumi sticking around after practices, that was something that was floating around on Twitter, too. And it, he's an interesting case because from what it sounds like, the kid only played two organized football games. As a, as a high school prospect. So first off, that gives you a look into the kind of talent he has for the guy being someone that schools were after. I mean, Oklahoma wasn't his own. It wasn't his only offer. Like he had people that were interested in him uh, for major reasons. So um, that is another interesting name that, that, that gets brought up quite a bit. I think the thing that people just want to know is uh, how can, can, how easily can he pick up the system? Because again, this is a guy who hasn't played a ton of organized football and, you know, your introduction to playing a full football season is going to be in the Southeastern Conference. So uh, just to kind of shift to that, 
Um, this was kind of a big thing that we talked about when the move was first announced in 2021 of how, which is crazy to think it's been three years since that announcement already, but uh, we talked about how much this would help recruiting, and that's Oklahoma going into the SEC. It's going to be the talk uh, of the town for the next few months until they actually kick off their first game against uh, uh, Tennessee. So um, how much do you think the, the whole SEC thing played into uh, the recruiting, and especially for the guys on the, on the, on the D-line, because this is a conference that's, that's really where it makes its money, is in the trenches. So uh, what, was, what was kind of the, the pulse of the guys on that? Oh, you know, every time I – that's kind of another thing that was mentioned a lot of the times whenever I uh, I would talk to these players about their commitment. Um, SEC, like you said, it's the conference where like a lot of the money is made in the trenches, and those guys want to be a part of those teams that, you know, make the transition to the SEC, and um, they want Oklahoma to be good in the SEC at that. Um, so, yeah, you know, the SEC – that conference speaks for itself and, you know, the recruits know if, you know, they, they go and play well in the SEC, both, you know, individually and, you know, as a team, then that only raises the stock for both them um, NFL draft wise and then the team as well. So, I mean, there's nothing really bad you can say about going in the SEC and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I do kind of want to, switch on all that let's let's slide away from recruiting a little bit uh give me give me your thoughts on oklahoma's move to the sec because i mean and, and even not even just the move but tell me like you know how you think things are going to go in this first season with a schedule that is pretty tough um and then i mean of course it's not just oh you guys you work with i mean you do work with guys from bama georgia florida lsu all the big time big name schools in that conference uh, uh what, what do you think about this whole thing Man, I think it's I think it's great not only for Oklahoma, not only for the SEC, but for the sport as well. I mean, I don't know about you, but I really kind of like the way college football is kind of changing. Like everything seems to kind of be evening out. Um, conference realignment. I mean, like you said, Oklahoma and Texas coming to the SEC. It uh, it's just it's just different. It's fun, you know, to see those matchups like we're gonna get next year, and then with the 12-team playoff, you know, all the chaos that's going to, um, you know, cause and stuff like that. So I think college football moving forward is going to be a great product. Is it perfect? No. But I think it's going to be, you know, better to to watch as a fan um, because of the changes that are being made. Um but speaking of Oklahoma specifically, I'm a big fan of the move for them and Texas to be coming into the SEC. Like I mentioned just now, like to watch, you know, Oklahoma play Missouri, um, LSU, Georgia, schools like that. I mean, I don't know if you kind of think the same thing, but I know this offseason and, you know, recruiting season, there's been a lot of head-to-head -head battles with Missouri. There's been guys such as Caden Green leave Oklahoma to go to Missouri, and I feel like we kind of got a little rivalry brewing here between y'all and Missouri, and I think that's going to be a matchup, you know, that's going to be fun to watch. And then you got Texas, the the usual Red River rivalry, and like I mentioned just now, the other schools. It, it's just going to be – it's going to be fun to watch, and I think it's going to be um, – you know, good for the players as well. Yeah, it, it's funny because, like, technically, OU Mizzou did use to be a rivalry, but it kind of was more of an OU beatdown. Like, there were some competitive bat battles. Like, I think about uh, the Big 12 championship game. Uh, I think it was 2007 or eight. I can't remember. It was some point in the 2000s. Missouri was actually, like, number two in the country, I think. Uh, that was a Chase Daniel team. Like they were, I think they had Jeremy Macklin, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that was like when Mizzou was Mizzou, and Oklahoma beat them like a drum in the Big 12 championship. But it has been considered a rivalry, so you aren't lying. I mean, with that whole Caden Green thing, like I can tell you, if that game was in Norman, 
it would be pretty it would be pretty crazy uh but they're gonna have to go to columbia for that one um but yeah that'll be a fun game to watch and, and look i'm glad mizzou's getting back to relevance i mean their fan base is you know they're they're a unique bunch on twitter but uh i want them to be good so uh but but keeping it kind of with the theme of that i mean as i mentioned it, it is a schedule that's uh it, it ain't the easiest. I mean, you've got Tennessee to start with, and Tennessee uh, should be pretty good this year with Nico running the show. Uh, of course, you've got Texas. Obviously, Bama going to be a new look Bama, if you will. Um, you know, which we didn't think that last week, but that's the case as of today. Um, Auburn, who put together a pretty nice class. I mean, uh, it is going to be an interesting year. But like, what what do you think is the outlook on this specific season for Oklahoma? Like, are you talking, you know, record-wise or, like, expectations? Yeah, I mean, give me, give me like, uh, so, I mean, let's go, we, yeah, record-wise, and we can go with, you know, what what might be the, the surprise game where, where, where people realize, okay, they might be built for this. Let me pull up the schedule right now. Um, But, man, I'm, I don't think y'all are going to have a bad year. I mean, I'm very excited to see Jackson Arnold, um, you know, leading the charge. Um, I'm I'm very glad he was able to get that start and play against Arizona. I know he probably, you know, to him and to the fans as well, he didn't play how he wanted to play. But I think that was just a great, you know, opportunity for him to go in there and prepare as a starter and get his feet wet, um, you know, headed into to next season where he's the guy, he's going to be the quarterback, um, leading OU in the SEC for the first time. Um, and I, I still think he's a great quarterback. I mean, that one game doesn't define how good he is and how good he's going to be. Um, but looking at the schedule, I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, I think y'all get probably guaranteed more than seven, eight wins. I mean, would you agree on that? I mean, y'all do have some tough, some, some tough, um, opponents, but, Overall, I, th- I think y'all can finish with a, you know, seven, eight plus win season. Yeah, I'm, I I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think to me, I think eight or nine wins is good in that first year. Now, obviously, it won't make the, it won't make the fans happy because, uh, you know, you're probably going to have to deal with you know idiots wanting to run Brent Venables out of town. But like, you got to understand what they're walking into, and like, you know, like Tennessee. That it's interesting. Like it'll be the first one in Norman. Uh, Josh Heupel's coming back to Norman for the first time since he was the OC here, and uh, you know I would think with with there being so much new, the atmosphere for these games should be off the chain. Um, and look, like Tennessee, I, I feel like that's a game they can win. Um, going to Auburn. Uh, to me, it would probably depend on what time that game is. Like, if that's a seven o'clock game, all right, then I'm a little worried. Uh, if that's, you know, an eleven o'clock, which I know y'all don't, they don't really do that in the SEC, but if that's an afternoon game, I can live with it. Uh, Texas, I mean, that's always you never know. It doesn't matter how good or how bad each team is. Uh, South Carolina, it, that's a win. I mean, unfortunately, they're not that great. Um, and and I love Shane Beamer, but that's that hasn't been great so far. Uh, Ole Miss. That's one that makes me perk up a little bit because, uh, of course, you've seen what they've done in the portal, um, and that game's in Oxford. Guarantee that's a night game. That's one game that I look at and think that they might go in and lose. Um, then, I mean, you've got a cupcake in Maine after that. Then you step into Mizzou, and uh, that's another interesting one. I mean – Dude, that, you know. that is going to be a game. I am so yeah. excited for that, bro. I mean, just looking back on it, like like we mentioned earlier, the recruiting battles, the, you know, Caden Green leaving to go there. I mean, Luther Burden was once the Oklahoma commit. Um, Williams and Wary chose Missouri ultimately over Oklahoma. Um, just everybody they have coming back. I mean, I think that is going to be a great game to watch. Like that's what that's what it's all about coming to the SEC and playing teams like Missouri, Ole Miss. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm very excited mm-hmm. this year. 
Yeah. And, and that and that's been my thing too. Like, dog, I know everybody wants to, you know, talk about the big bad SEC, but like this is Oklahoma. If you really want to measure yourself against the best, because people do seem to forget, like Oklahoma is, you know, th- this is a blue blood program. Like this is one of the greatest. This is a team, this is a program that used to be known for for beating the crap out of everybody they played and and physically punishing teams like those early stoops teams. That's what they did. They played great defense. They made you regret stepping on the field and they could beat anybody. And so with how things have gone recently, like we've kind of forgot, like this is Oklahoma dog. You want to measure yourself against the best of the best. You want to go compete with Alabama. You want to go compete with Georgia because the biggest issue we used people look at these playoff games and they see when Oklahoma got whooped was because you're going out and you're playing TCU and Kansas and you know, all these, I don't want to call them cupcakes, but not, the best of the best good teams but not the best of the best week in and week out then you go into the playoffs and you get your you get your lunch money taken and now you have a chance to where because like i'll be honest Hayes, I, i've been to just about every home game and there hasn't really been a game that was just like minus a bedlam there was never really there's never really been a game in norman recently that's just been like oh that 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 atmosphere was electric that atmosphere is one we're going to remember for the rest of our lives like we haven't had that since maybe notre dame in 2012 and they beat the crap out of us when they came here ohio state in 2016 was the same thing so you go into the sec and you're guaranteed a big game no matter what i mean you're guaranteed more than one i mean you you, they don't have georgia this year but they're going to have georgia at some point they're going to have a Florida at some point, if they can get it together, like you are playing against the best of the best. You've got the best coaches in college football in this conference, like everything about it. And then, and of course, with the way realignment is, you're probably going to be adding more teams in the future. I mean, I know there's always been rumors about Clemson possibly wanting to come in. And I know Florida state, I think was also out there at one point, like it's going to only get better, but uh, going through the schedule again, after Mizzou, you get a much needed bye week and then you turn around and play Alabama at home. That's the game I can't wait for. Uh and then you go down to Baton Rouge to end this in this to end the season. So uh, it's quite the schedule, man. Like I, I just mentioned what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six ranked opponents. And when the season starts, it's probably seven if Auburn ends up there. So <laughs> it's it's gonna it's it's gonna be interesting. That that's one thousand percent. Uh, and I think for me, like the, the biggest thing I want to see for this team is I want to see what they can do on defense. I mean, with the experience that's coming that's coming back. Um, you know, of course. I mean, we mentioned the young guys they have that can make an impact that are going to be coming in, or the guys that are already there. Like, uh, it's shaping up to be a pretty good year, man. So, uh. You know, just to, to kind of cap everything off, I do want to talk a little bit about Alabama because we we initially planned this way before anything even happened. And then, uh, of course, Nick Saban dropped the bomb on us all. So Nick Saban's not going to be coming to Norman as that's kind of what I was really amped up for. Uh, but instead, they go out and get Kalen to board today. Um, I mean, what, what, what do you think about that whole thing? Like what's what's been kind of the reaction from. Uh, uh, recruits uh, or players or uh, current players, like whatever the case may be, wh- what's kind of the vibe with with this whole thing? With initially Saban's retirement and then the thoughts on DeBoer getting hired. Man, so obviously, when the greatest coach of all time retires, it definitely sends a shockwave all throughout college football. Um, and to answer your question, I mean, I'm talking an hour after it was announced, or two, two, three hours after it was announced. Um, Alabama's longtime five-star receiver, Ryan Williams, decommitted from Alabama. Um, as soon as the as soon as the news was announced that, you know, Saban was retiring, I got multiple phone calls saying, you know, that these guys planned on entering the transfer portal. Um, and then today we saw the news of Isaiah Bond um mm-hmm. announcing that he was entering the portal, which he was Alabama's leading receiver. Um so, you know, just news like this happening of that magnitude is obviously going to change some things up and cause a lot of chaos. The The main thing is, you know, is Alabama going to be able to keep 
a lot of their main guys um, to stay. And ultimately, I think I think they will. Um, but will more players from Bama ultimately enter the portal? I think so. I know they're supposed to have a a, a team meeting here probably in the next 30 minutes because I'm, I was just kind of scrolling through Twitter and saw that um, DeBoer just landed about, you know, 15, 20 minutes ago. And you know how that is. You all had that, the situation with BV pulling up yeah. all the fans, all the fans show up. So it'll be a, it'll be a, a good while before, you know, he gets to go and address the team, but um, we'll see how that goes. How, who decides to leave, who, who stays? I mean, but everybody knows that, that, that roster is, is full of talent, you know, top to bottom. And he's going to have to, you know, I guess re-recruit the whole roster to get him to stay, which that's a new age of college football now. So um, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it, it's I, I just thought about this because when I saw the whole thing about Isaiah Bond, uh, of course, everybody's throwing Texas out there. And I didn't even think about consider the fact that there could be quite a few guys on this Bama roster, depending on how long they've been there that, you know, maybe they did have a relationship or connection with Steve Sarkeesian and they might want to head down to Austin. And and that, that doesn't scare me exactly, but it does make me a little nervous. Like, uh, you know, with the year Texas had this year and then the fact, I mean, you got Quinn Ewers coming back next year. Um, I got to give credit where it's due. I mean, I, they're going to, he's done a great job. He's the first coach that they've had that they, through all the coaches they've gone through in the past few years, Sark's the one guy I got to give credit to for the way he's built that roster. But uh, if Alabama does indeed have a a an, an exodus, if you will, of players, wouldn't shock me at all if they give uh, that team down I thirty five a look. So, uh, but but I do also want to ask you this because I was thinking about this earlier too, and somebody asked me about it. Um, what what do you think? I mean, how do you think Alabama's going to look this year? With with I mean, obviously it's a little early to tell because, of course, you've got to get through adding and subtracting guys on the roster. And you know, Deborah might bring in, he might clean house on staff. Like we don't know, but 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 how do you think that's going to work out for them this season? Well, obviously, it starts off with who stays and who goes, and how many leave and how many stay. Um, that's number one. So that that obviously, you know plays a major factor and you know how the whole season um, I guess kind of the whole season how the, the season unfolds um but you know how it is with Alabama bro that's probably the most spoiled fan base in all the sports right now like all they do is win you oh, know yeah. a two loss season their fan base would probably that's be really- up there with that you know yeah um, oh yeah so it really just depends on who stays and who, you know, what coaches leave and what coaches stay and who he brings in and transfer portal. So I can't really give you an accurate, you know, like expectation or guess for them. But if the guys that need to stay, like the main contributors for next year, stay, then I think they'll be just fine. Um, will they be – you know, a national champion, SEC champion, I don't know. But obviously, you know, we have the 12-team playoff. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if him yeah. team playoff. You know, I don't think Alabama is just going to completely fall off because Nick Saban is no longer their head coach. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think it's interesting for a guy like DeBoer because, I mean, I don't know how many OU fans listening to this show really pay attention to him, but he's not like a – He's not a big rah-rah kind of guy. Like they were talking about it on ESPN about like I don't they don't think he truly realized what he had accomplished while winning the Sugar Bowl at Washington. Like Washington's always been a pretty good program, but recently that hasn't been the case. And then he he kind of brought them back to prominence, if you will. And he's stepping into this job. And and I, I said this on Insta tonight. Like I kind of feel for the guy because if he does go in and lose two games. He's gonna deal with some some unhappy fans because it happened to Oklahoma too. Now it's different because they went six and seven the first year, but like you, they dealt with that same thing of like not giving the guy time, and it is gonna be a little tough for him because when you take over for Nick Saban, the expectations are through the roof. So it's like if they do go out and lose two games and say those two losses are to Auburn and LSU or those teams that they should not lose to, 
uh, according to the fan base. Like he's he is going to go through it. So I mean, they're going to be watching him like a hawk, judging judging his every move, no matter what. Uh, but but I think he's going to do a great job there. And I mean, it'll be interesting. Like if if he brings if he brings Ryan Grubb with him, and and we're talking about Alabama running some kind of variation of the air raid, and and you could be talking about you know a fun Alabama offense versus an elite Oklahoma defense come November. Like that's a matchup that's shaping up to be one of those big time game day kind of things. But um, I think that's going to about do it for me um, on the questions or anything. I mean, if there's anything you want to add, you're more than welcome, bro. Oh, for sure, bro. Um, Let me ask you this because you kind of asked me the same question. Not sure if you have, actually, I'm going to kind of switch it around. You know, headed into the SEC and headed into, you know, this 2024 season, give me give me, in your opinion, the guy that's going to stand out on offense, the guy that's going to stand out on defense, and then a newcomer that you expect to have a big impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, offensively, I, I'm interested to see – if we want to go breakout, I think I would lean towards. I, I might give it to Gavin Sawchuck because at running back, because like technically he hasn't really broken out yet. He did have moments last year where he proved that he was capable of being the number one guy on this team. Because, I mean, look, be honest, they had running back problems in 2023. And I know Brent Venables talked about how he he did want to have one guy in that room, which I'm positive they're going to take that approach this year. Gavin's got all the talent in the world. Uh, I just think that if they get things together um, up front, he I, I mean to me he's capable of being a thousand yard rusher. Like I, I it's all there. It just all the things have to be great surrounding him. But to me, he's that guy. Uh, defensively, I would give it to Kip Lewis at linebacker. Um, he has really, since he committed to Oklahoma two years ago, there was a lot of hype around him because, I mean, even for as small as he is, like, you know, he, he right now I think he weighs like 210, 215, which, you know, playing that in the SEC at linebacker is not the greatest recipe for success. So he is going to get bigger this offseason, like, no doubt about that. But, He's got all the potential in the world. He made a lot of great plays for Oklahoma this year. Uh, he's getting to learn under Danny Stutzman in this in this in his final season. Um, like man, this defense is really going to be exciting this year from the from a standpoint of all the experience that's there. As I mentioned, with the talent, and of course they're bringing in a new defensive coordinator and Zach Alley. Like so much about it is going to be interesting. But uh, uh, Kip would be that guy. I mean, Robert Spears Jennings would be one for me at safety. There has been talk of him maybe being a guy that's going to compete with Peyton Bowen. And I mean, and you and I both know how talented Bowen is. So that tells you, uh, you know, what, what Spears Jennings brings to the table. But for newcomer, I, I, man, I, I think newcomer wise, I would probably give that one. I mean, David Stone's the obvious answer, but uh, if not Stone, I feel like. Danny Okoye, probably. Uh, Four-star kid from from Tulsa, for those who don't know. He has been getting hyped up a lot in the last few weeks. Uh, He was actually at the the Army All-American game, I think. He was up in San Antonio, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, I don't think he was. He he wasn't at the bowl game, but he was doing something down there. But he was playing against a lot of really good competition and, and and there's been a lot of talks from people within the facility and from people even outside of Oklahoma that obviously wouldn't have a biased opinion. Uh, they speak very highly of him. Uh, he's about 6'4", 240, I think. So um, there are people that think he's going to be a problem in the SEC. I would agree with that. Um, I, I think he's that one newcomer for sure. Um, I think, I mean, another interesting one is Nigel Smith, of course. Mm-hmm. With the measurements he has, the athleticism he had, Jaden Jackson's a good one. Like, that's a guy who's kind of flown under the radar because of David Stone being his teammate as well. So a lot of people don't really bring him up in these conversations. But um, 
I think, yeah, I definitely go Sawchuk offense, Lewis defense, and then um, uh, Okoye for the for the newcomer. One more question for you. In terms of, you know, kind of looking at y'all's wide receiver room coming in next year, I know, I know you have, you know, Nick Anderson. Um, you got Deion Burks coming in from Purdue. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts on Deion Burks and the contribution that, you know, he's expected to make um, next year at Oklahoma? Because, I mean, this guy was, um, if I'm remembering correct, he was a projected like top 100 guy in this year's draft. And it was kind of almost a shock that he came back to came back to play another year of college. And then at that, he was, you know, immediately one of the, the top receivers listed in the portal. And then, you know, ultimately him choosing Oklahoma kind of curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, I guess some expectations for him and how y'all plan on using him um, next year. Yeah. You know, he, he, and he was one I was probably, I was getting ready to mention when I was talking about uh, newcomers, but I did want to give the freshman a chance, but like Burks is a guy that, you know, you're right. I mean, he was, he was, if I'm not mistaken, he was listed as the, as the top receiver in the portal uh, when he committed to Oklahoma. And, it's interesting because I think even prior to his commitment, they had a nice room. I mean, we talked about Nick Anderson, uh, Jalil Farouk. I mean, didn't play well against Arizona, but everything leading up to that, he was great. Um, and then Andrew Anthony. I mean, he was he was balling out before he got hurt against Texas, and and uh, he's back for a year this year. And those three guys, to me, were going to be like the guys in this offense. Then you add on Deion Burks, and it gets a little interesting. Uh, how he would be used, I think my personal opinion was that Jalil Farouk should slide to the slot where Drake Stoops was. But now that you add Burks to the mix, Burks is almost he's almost the perfect guy for that for that spot. I mean, he's a and, and I, I, I don't I didn't, of course, I didn't watch much of Purdue, Purdue last year. So I don't know if he was more of an outside or a slot kind of guy or, or maybe he's a guy that can do both. But. Uh, I mean, you know, at Oklahoma, wide receivers, wide receiver. You play wherever you fit the best. Um, I think with the speed he has and the way that this offense is going to be, I mean, this is going to be an offense that is uh, a variation of the air raid. So um, they're going to let Jackson sling it a little bit. Um, I think that you're talking about maybe Nick Anderson, Deion Burks, and for now, I'll give Farouk the nod as being your three guys in the room. Because I, I ride for Andrew Anthony any day. Like, I thought before the season last year, he was going to be the best receiver on this team. And he was up until he got hurt, like I said. So depending on how he recovers from his injury, um, that remains to be seen. But but I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for Burks, though. I mean, he, he had nearly 700 yards last year for the Boilermakers. Uh, as you mentioned, he was a guy that was on NFL draft boards. So, um, and of course, he sees something in Oklahoma and Emmett Jones, who's who's done a pretty fantastic job in his first few months on the job. So, uh, yeah, he he's definitely a guy I'm excited for. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, man, it's it's going to be fun, you know, seeing all these newcomers and you know guys like Jackson Arnold and stuff like that. You know, kind of take on a new role and step up, and you know make some plays for the sooner. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Well, yeah. So that actually leads me to this. I do want to throw this on you for the, for the last one. Um, This is just a combination of everything. When you take into account how rosters are being built today, how things are going just in the landscape of college football, how far, how far away do you think Oklahoma is and especially when you when you throw in a 12-team playoff, it gets a little bit tougher because you're playing more football games now. Mm-hmm. How far away do you think Oklahoma really is from competing for a national championship? Like being there in the game, playing head-to-head for it. Man, that that is a great question. Because, dude, in my opinion, bro, like once you get to the 12-team playoff, like once you get past that second, third round, I feel like, it's not like a March Madness type deal, but I still feel like anything can happen, bro. Like, I don't think y'all are far away, um, in my opinion. I mean, y'all have y'all have a a, coach, a great coaching staff. You know, NIL's up. 
obviously a factor in, you know, building a roster and stuff. And y'all seem to have, you know, a great NIL program and obviously still building that as we speak and as the years go on, that'll get better and better. Um, so to answer your question, I don't think y'all are that far away, truth be told. I mean, what what do you think? Man, I I, I would agree. I mean, I think the only thing that – you know, so the thing with the NIL thing is like I think they're doing fine, but if you ask the fans, they're not. Uh, some of the fan base thinks that it's awful and that it's bad because of how the whole Kate Green thing went. But um, to me, from an on-the-field standpoint, like, again, I've said my only worry this year with this team is what they do on the O-line. Like – and I've made this point when talking about the SEC for, for the last few years now. Obviously, everything matters in the SEC. But like we said, the money is made in the trenches. If you suck up front, you're not going to win. If you're good, and that's in general, but especially in the SEC, if you're good up front, you will compete. I think this defense this year is going to be incredible. I, 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 I fully trust Brent Venables. Looking at his track record with his defenses, year three is usually when they start to click, and his system is very complicated. So, I mean, when you bring back all the leadership they've got with a Danny Stutzman, Ethan Downs, Billy Bowman, like Woody Washington, like there's leadership literally at every level, every position unit on this team, and that could not be more uh, uh, valuable. So you take into account the defense. I mean, it's a unit that should finish top 20 in the country this year. Like that's my expectation. Um, and that's good enough to get it done. Uh, offensively, it's going to be interesting because of what, you know, when you have technically two new coordinators, obviously a new quarterback, like there's so much new. But like you look at teams like Michigan, you look at teams like Georgia a year ago, those teams were just different up front. And when you look at Michigan this year, look at what they did to Washington. Like look at what they did to Alabama. I mean, you you see what what they've got. I mean, you know they they had guys like Derek Moore, who was once an OU commit, uh, that's been wreaking havoc up there. Mason Graham, who's only a sophomore, he did his thing. I'm, I think they just had a guy, uh, they just had a, a defensive lineman commit to, or uh, declare for the draft tonight, uh, Chris Jenkins, and then of course their O line was the best in football. So, and and not even you got to consider the fact that they lost their best lineman, their most skilled lineman got hurt against Ohio State. Didn't matter. Went out won their last three critical games without him. So um, I think in order to get over that hump, it's going to require getting it fixed up front, finding some cohesion. It's going to require staying healthy. It's going to require building depth because with the 12-team playoff, like I said, that's more football, man. Like you and I both know we because we played the sport. Like it's a grind. And now you're adding, you know, three, four more games on top of that. Like, you know you're gonna have you're gonna have to have depth, and and Oklahoma does usually have this problem where they get an injury. Maybe it's not from a star player, but they get an injury from somebody, and then it ends up being detrimental. Because a year ago, like it or this past season, it was you know Tawi Walker getting hurt, and you didn't have a run game, or Gentry Williams getting hurt, and they lost that game to Kansas because they were playing another guy who had been hurt and had played his first game in a few weeks. And Kansas drove the ball down the field on them. So um, it's going to require, like I said, man, just getting right in the trenches, staying healthy and, and building that competitive depth that they like to say. But no, I, I don't truly think it's that far away, to be honest. I mean, I, I definitely agree with you on that. No doubt. Yeah, that, that was a great answer. Great answer. I, I agree with everything you had to say. I think that's really all I got. Uh, went longer than I expected, but uh, hey, appreciate appreciate you joining, man. I mean, you. Um, I know you've got quite a bit to work on. Uh, you know, with the portal window opening for Bama and whatever is going to happen there. Uh, then you've got this next signing period coming up, which you know I don't know how crazy that'll be, but um, you've got that coming up too. So, uh, wishing you luck on that, man. You know, people people kind of forget, man. You work really hard on this stuff. And uh, got to give credit where credit is due. Um, of course, you know, I'll continue 
to try to make peace with you or with the OU fan base uh, with you or for you. So, oh, man, I appreciate that for sure, man. Always a great, great pleasure um, joining the joining the podcast and talking to you. And um, you know, I appreciate you again for everything, bro. Yeah, man, no doubt. I mean, you, you know, we tell you, we know, you, you know, come down to Norman. We'll we'll uh, we'll treat you right. We'll show you around. You're on three guys are down here too. Um, I know they'll they'll treat you right too. And then of course, when we come down there for LSU will be down in Baton Rouge. So, uh, you know, right down your neck of the woods in Louisiana. So holler at us, man. We'll, we'll see you. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you guys give Hayes a follow on Twitter and Instagram at HayesFawcett3. Uh, check out his stuff on On3.com, the best recruiting website out there, in my honest opinion, if I have any say-so about it. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Jalen and Ross, for all your OU football needs and updates. Hayes is the recruiting guy, so you're going to want to stick with him for all that. Uh, but thank you guys for tuning in once again. Make sure you share the episode. You guys know the rules. Uh, like, subscribe, or yeah, download the podcast, do all that stuff. Uh, and we'll see you guys when we thank see you. Thank you for listening to The Blitz Period with Jalen Ross, presented by BNM Media and Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter.